At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's the big $10 sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st Century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And as promised, I am the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. I have with me today John Burroughs, who um, has been involved in a great UFO sighting as opposed to just investigating. He served 27 years in the United States Air Force, both, both on active duty and in the reserve as a law enforcement flight chief, supervisor, patrolman, and a canine handler. His many deployments include Operation Iraqi Freedom, and he has provided security for the President of the United States. He is one of the co-authors of Encounter in Rendlesham Forest, along with Nick Pope and Jim Penniston. John might be the first and only former military member of, to receive VA compensation for injuries sustained during a UFO encounter, and we'll see if that's true in just a moment. Uh, John Burroughs, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on, Kevin. Are you the first and only former military member to receive VA compensation for injuries sustained during a UFO encounter? I, I have no idea what, you know, what's happened behind the scenes as far as, you know, if other people have been awarded any kind of compensation for incidents that took place that never became public. So I don't know. It's then we can, we can say you are the first publicly acknowledged former member of the military to receive compensation. Well, I mean, I don't, did you ever read the press release? I read the book. I didn't read the press release. And okay. The so way go the with attorney, that. I, the way the attorney wrote it was simple. It was de facto. He put de facto UFO, UAP. And the reason why we did the press release the way we did was my compensation was based on the fact that I was injured in the line of duty in Rendlesham Forest. And by saying that, 
all the evidence that was presented to the VA that caused my heart issue, including Project Condine and some other documents, and the fact that the HALT memo existed and the fact that's where I was injured was why he put by de facto, because the facts show that whatever happened to us was the reason why they compensated me. Now, they did not come out and directly say that you know, what we encountered or what took place. They just agreed that I was injured during the incident and I deserve compensation. But it was a UFO encounter. Yeah, but a UFO encounter is simply an unidentified flying object, uh, yes. unidentified aerial phenomenon, okay? Yes. Which is part of the the um, part of the uh, documents presented was, was what was in Condine. And what it said about being exposed to that radiation. So we should we should mention that Condine was a, a British government investigation of UFOs that uh, had been, I guess, published a number of years ago. I believe, because I don't have the stuff in front of me, it was um, it was done in the nineties. The uh, documents where well, there was only six or seven of them that were put together. It was given to certain people inside the MOD. I believe a FOIA was done in 2006 where they admitted that this document existed and it was quietly made public. Uh, from that point, um, I used it um, among many other re other sources that I had, but that was one of the things inside the document it says we were exposed to UAP radiation. Okay, I think I, I've kind of hesitated this because we're coming up on a break here in just a few moments, and I didn't want to get something long and involved started before we and then have to break for it. Uh, so when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about your experiences in Rendlesham Forest, and I have actually questions that have been sent to me to ask you about uh, some of the events and some of the things that have gone on around that, and and oftentimes I do that when I. Uh, post things on my blog. I say, if you you know, have questions for John Burroughs, he'll be coming on the program. Send them to me, and I'll I'll try to get them answered. So we have some questions that uh, I'll ask you uh, when we come back, but we'll need a, a brief update on um, what you think happened in Rendlesham Forest. How many days events took place? Because there's a controversy about whether there were two days or whether there were three days, and who all was involved in that sort of thing. So we'll take a look at that when we come back. And as I say, I try to put stuff up on my blog, which is at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, based on the program, providing a little more information and maybe some links to other sites that will give you more information about what we've discussed here uh, on the program so you can get a better insight to what is going on. So we will come back with John Burroughs, former military member, uh, former uh, Iraqi soldier, and talk to him about Rendlesham's Force right after this short break. including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, 
Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. President of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good to Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, 
every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an eight-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. often wonder when we're doing these things if it's necessary to say we're back because obviously we are we're back and i'm joined with john burroughs who was a a 27 year member of the united states air force on both active duty and in the reserves and he served tours in iraq and other deployment areas john when we went away the we're going family style deal because i want a bite of your big mac and i need some of your quarter pound i'll try your filet of fish there's a deal for every friend group at mcdonald's order any two classics for just six bucks price of participation may vary single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer with no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees banking with capital one is the easiest decision in the history of decisions even easier than choosing charles barkley in a pickup game we'll take barkley ha first pick sorry kids yep even easier than that With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. I promised that we would talk a little bit about what your experiences were in Rendlesham's Forest for those who may not be that familiar with it. So walk us through kind of quickly what transpired the night that you were involved in the uh, encounter. Well, I was out there on two different nights, first of all. So first night, we uh, came on duty at 2300 on 25 December around 3 o'clock in the morning. While I'm riding with my uh, supervisor on patrol, we saw strange lights. At that point, we went off the base to to get a better idea of what we were dealing with. We could figure out what it was, called uh, back, went up to the gate shack, called it in. Uh, three of us were sent out into the forest to take a look at what it could be based on the fact that why this was taking place. Heathrow, Eastern Radar, and Rapcon all picked up something that had been on radar over the forest area and disappeared. Shift commander felt it could have been a downed aircraft, so we were authorized to go into the forest to see if it was. Let me let me break in here make sure. Heathrow is the civilian airport that was around the london area is that correct yeah that was there yeah it was they were part of i guess they were part of eastern radar i don't know for sure if i said it wrong but there were three different areas that were checked our rapcon radar checked it uh eastern radar and heathrow tower also confirmed there was something on radar and then disappeared in the area so now you're authorized to go into the forest yes okay and we got out into the forest because we're doing this quickly we got up close to something each one of us had a different perception on what we saw. I saw something that looked like a red oval-shaped object, some blue lights, different coloring in it. Sergeant Penniston has gone as far as saying he walked around it, touched it, got a binary download, saw glyphs on it. Kabansek basically said we got close that we blacked out. His statement went into the fact that whatever it was went up, went back. We went out further uh, towards the coast, and it was gone after that. The second night, and there were three nights in a row that happened. There was other incidents that happened before and after ours, but the second night was they saw strange lights again, shift commander and a a security flight chief went out into the forest. There was an encounter where something went through the Jeep of the shift commander that upset her to the point where she was relieved of duty. 
the vehicle shut down. They were having radio problems. Third night is a Colonel Hall incident where he went into the forest and him and a five-man team went out there, which I met up with later, and they had their encounter. That that's he's, There's a tape online that you can listen to that was uh, done during the event itself, and that pretty much sums it up in a hurry. The, um, the second night, that was just, I, I think she was a lieutenant. Yeah, she lieutenant. was a lieutenant. She was the shift commander that night. And uh, an NCO had gone out in the force, the only two people who were involved. Is that correct? Yeah, from what I understand, the, the only two that left the base were the were the shift commander and the security flight chief. Now, uh, some people did see some stuff from the gate and heard stuff on the radio, but only two people went into the forest on the second night. So when we talk about three nights of the event, uh, there were two nights that you were involved in. You were involved sort of in the first night and the third night. There was a second night that just involved those people. Uh, and that kind of covers the whole spectrum of stuff that went on at Rendlesham or uh, Bentwaters that, at that point? Well, there have been some stuff seen prior over the years to include in December. Some people have come forward now. And then in January, another individual was uh, saw some strange stuff at the gate, called it in. So there was there's clearly stuff that's taken place prior to our event, after our event, and they still see strange things in the forest to this day. So. So you, um, on the third night, you were not with, directly with Colonel Halt when he uh, made his tape and that sort of thing. You joined them after that point? Well, there's a discrepancy there um, that's been going on for years. Um, he first denied that Adrian Bristenzer was out there, but it became clear he was based on the tape, his tape itself, and that I wasn't out there. And that also is on the tape. You can hear my name being called in over the radio. And then he said that we never got to his party. And now in his latest book or his, his book that he just wrote, he's now admitted publicly that, yes, I did meet up with this party and Adrian and I did go forward. The interesting thing is I have a, a tape of him and Larry Warren and Peter Robbins talking about this. And uh, at one point, I believe he says Nobody got forward of me except maybe, except Burroughs, or Burroughs was with us at that point, because uh, Warren was talking about how he had been up and close to the thing. Uh, so you know, it, there is some kind of, I guess, disconnect on exactly the sequence of events. Well, it was clear, and it's clear that whatever took place when Adrian and I went forward, he never really wanted that to come out, and. If you listen to his tape, there's a half an hour gap, and then all of a sudden he says they're going back to the base. So I'm pretty sure that was probably the gap, whether or not he just shut it off and didn't say anything or it was edited out or whatever. That was probably the point when Adrian and I went forward. And he even admitted in his book now, he said that he could see us, but that doesn't mean something didn't happen because Adrian and I both got close to something. And Adrian said, I went into something and disappeared. So it's been a real struggle, like pulling teeth since right after the event happened and people start asking questions for him to come this far. So only he can tell you why he held it back. And no one's really ever really questioned him directly on why, um, you know, and I mean, so whatever he saw happen to Adrian and I, he doesn't want to talk about or doesn't totally remember well, let's 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 explore that a little bit because that's one of the questions that, that was sent to me, and that was um, there is a a disc 
discrepancy, a big problem between what Colonel Halt has said and what Larry Warren has said at, uh, about being present. And Adrian seems to contradict what Halt has has said about that. Are you familiar with that controversy at all? Um, you'd have there's so many you'd have to kind of enlighten me on what that exact controversy they're talking about. Well, Halt seems to think that Warren wasn't really involved at all, that while this event was going on, these events were going on, Warren was either on uh, leave, which is what he told Russ Estes, and I've seen the tape, and I've, I've seen Larry Warren said he had been on leave or a pass to Germany, at least on the first night of the events, but he was there on the third night. Halt says that he was not there at all. He was, I think Halt says he was drunk in the barracks as opposed to being out there with you guys. And now I think Adrian may be um, providing some some uh, uh, confirmation about what, what Warren is saying about being involved in this more so than than Halt gives him credit for. Uh, does that – can you can you enlighten us on that at all? Can you tell us anything well, about that? What I can say is this. If you go by Larry Warren's book that he wrote, he was not there on the night that we went out there basically because – in his book, he said he went to Germany and he didn't get back to Mildenhall till late that evening. So that is a discrepancy. If he really went to Germany and didn't get back, the event was already taking place and took place while he wasn't on duty. OK, over the years, he also made it sound like he had been on duty quite often. But then he said on a radio show that he'd only worked one time. And that was when the event took place. So, yes, there's definitely some discrepancies there on if in fact, you know, if in fact Larry was in Germany and on his way back, he couldn't have been out there on the third night. Correct. As far as what Adrian has had to say, I'd rather not comment for Adrian. I mean, I mean, it, it's just as simple as that. What I can just tell you is, is his own book leaves doubt on whether he was out there on the third night or not. Yeah. Well, fair enough on Adrian. Uh, did you see Warren out there? No, and I, I didn't know who Larry Warren was until years after I met him. So the first time I knew who Larry Warren was at all is when the CNN tape was made and released publicly. And one of the first things I felt was that he was talking somewhat about what his encounter supposedly was. Not directly everything he said, but he was kind of talking a little bit about the part where Adrian and I went forward. So... That that was one of the things that right away I kind of picked up on, not knowing who this guy was, and then CNN was interviewing him. He was talking about the part where Adrian and I went forward. But he was not with you when you and Adrian went forward. No, there was only Adrian and I went forward. And that's kind of what Halt has said, at least on this tape when he was talking with uh, Peter Robbins and Larry Warren, was that you weren't there. Uh, not you, uh, Larry Warren wasn't there, but because he only knew of you and. Uh, Adrian going forward. Yeah, but see, that's the problem with Colonel Hall. He, he, for the longest time, he denied we were even involved. So do you see what I'm getting at? And yes. Then, so, I, and trust me, that tape, you gave me a copy of it. When I uh, confronted him with the tape, because that was just more evidence, because his own tape kind of put him down the river about the fact he said, at first he told everybody we were never there, even Adrian wasn't there. And the tape kind of blew that up. And then he tried to go along the lines that, well, I never met up with this party. And one of the things I will say is, is that I didn't go out with as a party initially. I met him coming back and I was going forward. I was allowed to meet up with him. So I wasn't out there with him immediately after he went out there, but I did meet up with him later on. 
But then when that tape surfaced and he knew about it, then he started walking it back even more. Um, and finally, now in his book, he did very casually say that Adrian and I did go forward and that he claims he could see us the whole time. But that doesn't mean something didn't happen to what Adrian and I said it did. So is it the fact that whatever happened is they just don't want out or does he not remember or is it both? I'm not sure. Do you think there's kind of a conspiracy to keep this information undercover? Is that what you're suggesting? I, there's a lot of things about Colonel Hall that don't add up. I mean, when he sticks to his story, what he said happened as far as he went out there, the tape backs it up and stuff like that, it's great. But then he differs off and starts attacking different people that talk about what they remember happening to include to say we were we were interrogated and you can't trust us. And then he'll come back and say we were all interrogated, but he wasn't talked to, debriefed or anything. And so... I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, the fact that it took 34 years for him to admit that Adrian and I went forward is interesting enough. I really can't say for why he's trying to uh, keep that part quiet. I really don't know. Well, that kind of leads us into another one of the questions that, that had been sent to me, and it, it concerns Colonel Halt's, what, what the, um, the writer said was his over-the-top criticism of Warren. Uh, based on on what Adrian has been saying about that as well. So, I mean, you've heard some of the criticism that Colonel Halt uh, has made about Warren. Do you see it as over the top? And I will write here. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Children in Ukraine have been wounded and are traumatized by the violence. UNICEF is on the ground providing health, hygiene and critical emergency supplies. Please go to unicef.org to donate now. Thank you. We're, we're getting close to another break, so we have to be quick. Okay, basically over the top is, is the fact that when he attacks his personal life that has nothing to do directly with the incident itself, other than some stuff has come out recently that makes his credibility, you know, it, it leads to his credibility period. But ultimately what I've seen over the years is anytime people start wanting to talk about what they saw, and what took place, it doesn't matter even if it's Warren halt seems to jump on him and try to back him down and get him not to talk about it. So I, I think it's been very convenient for Colonel Hall over the years to keep other witnesses quiet and also to keep the controversy stirred up to the point where, we're never probably all going to get together and be able to talk about it. Okay, we're going to have to take our break here. As I promised, uh, as I say, take a look at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com for additional information or links to other uh, sites that might help you understand what's going on here. When we come back, I'm going to talk to uh, John a little bit about these uh, interrogations and that sort of thing that went on. And uh, Colonel Hall's denial that he was involved in the, any of that. And if you get take a look at Roswell in the 21st century, I would certainly would appreciate that. We will be back right after this. Dreams 
are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder, Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influence her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, starwalkervisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen.
I am here with John Burroughs, who was one of the, you might say, major players in the Rendlesham Forest uh, incidents of December of 1980. Uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, Colonel Halt's, um, I, I, I'm really not sure what to say about his, his sort of the over-the-top criticisms of some of the people involved in this, some of the people who've talked about it. But one of the things that has come up, and John, you kind of mentioned this a little bit, were the interrogations. Halt, when I talked to him, said he was not interrogated. He did not, was not participate, a participant in that. He um, was not debriefed in that. You say you well, do you say you were interrogated? And if so, what, what did that entail? Can you remember much? No, about I, that? I, that was the thing that was always kind of took me aback. I mean, that didn't really come to the, to the forefront totally. Um, well, I mean, Warren talked about it. I think Bastens has talked a little bit about it. Um, then Peniston came under hypnosis. It came out that he was actually injected with sodium pentothal. So, they're, they're, Warren and Bastinza have publicly talked about it. Um, but Penniston, I'm not sure where he stands. I don't know if he really remembers being interrogated or if it was the hypnosis said he was. So then that's why he believes it now. So, but as far as I, all what I remember was simply uh, doing my statement because I was told to and I didn't want to turn it in a statement, uh, having to stand with Penniston and Kabansak. I think it was like Monday, if I remember right. Monday after the incident, we went into uh, Colonel Halt's office and saw him. Then we went into Colonel Conrad's office with Colonel Halt. And then we ended up going into, uh, it was Colonel Williams at the time with Colonel Halt and the three of us. And Penniston did all the talking. He was the ranking guy. He was a staff sergeant. And very little was said. And they took our statements and, and basically told us that it was being looked into and to don't worry about it. Now, Penniston has gone farther and said that he was brought back in. He, was, he remembers being you know, writing a statement for OSI and they switched it and he was talked to by him, but he never said he was like interrogated by him other than the statement was switched. And, um, and then Halt used to meet with them on and off talking about the incident. So, but for me, no, I don't remember being brought in like Warren and Bastinza did or what Penniston's hypnosis says. And the thing about Halt that's interesting was he was called on that on a different radio show and the question was, well, how do you know you weren't if you claim everybody else was? And see, he doesn't. He claims he didn't know what was going on at the time. He found out about it later, but he never really reiterates how he found out about it. But he says, well, I wrote it all down a couple of weeks later. My story hasn't changed. And the question was, well, okay, if you were interrogated like everybody else said they were right afterwards and they messed with you then, the story you wrote down later, of course it wouldn't have changed. So there, there, like I said, there's another issue with that. Now, I'm not saying I wasn't brought in and, you know, and made to forget it, but I don't have any memory of it, nor do under when I went to hypnosis, did I talk about being interrogated? Uh, the hypnosis, was that part of the interrogation or was that something that took place? Uh, long I did some hypnosis in 1988 because I couldn't remember what happened when, when we got close to it uh, the first time or the third time. And they wanted the people that were interested in doing something with this wanted to see if anything would come out under hypnosis. So, when you got close to it, and I think Adrian said you had disappeared into into it or disappeared in some fashion, do you remember anything about what that was like or what you saw? No, that was the whole point. I got. I remember running towards it. Adrian went down to the ground. He says that he felt like something pushed him down, held him down. He said he saw me. Now this is what he said on 
on my radio show, Phenomenon Radio, he said that he saw me go into it. It looked like I phased out and was gone. And then all of a sudden I was back. Um, one of the other things that he said to me was that when I went into it, it exploded, it looked almost triangular and there were blue lights around it also. So that's what Adrian remembers seeing. Penison's also said that on the first night at one point he felt like I was, it was on top of me or over me. So two different times it appears people that were there saw something happen to me that I don't remember. You, you, so you have no memory of that? No, I don't. I just remember getting close to it both times. The first time, like I said, we got close to it, then it went back up and disappeared. The second time we were running to it, then all of a sudden I was standing in the field and it was gone. There were no creatures associated with this or anything like that? It's just sort of an object in the forest? Well, I, I say object because I don't know what else to call it. It was lights. Definitely was different colored lighting. And there was like an oval light in it. So, I mean, no, I mean, there's been assumptions made or people have said that could the blue lights have been the intelligent part. And, well, I don't remember it that way, like remember it, but under my hypnosis, yes, that was the intelligence of it. Um, when you say intelligence, are you talking extraterrestrial? Didn't say. My hypnosis just said that was the intelligence that we were dealing with. So you don't know whether it's extraterrestrial, if it was some sort of mind game being played by the government for whatever reasons or interdimensional or anything like that. You have no, no impression on that? Well, I can tell you that it's interesting that the further you dig in all these declassified documents, the more you realize just how much more advanced we were in 1980 than people realized with technology. And not only that, but the technology that was being worked on right outside Woodbridge back gate, where the Adam Arlstrom Heath was there, the BT side was there, Bosley was there, Orford Ness was there with all that stuff. And there'd been a history of all kinds of technology that had been worked on out there in the first place. And that it was clear they were working on plasmas and the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Different things and had different type of radars that they were trying to cause different effects. And when you go into it, this is not conspiracy. Some of this stuff, like sage radar, could be reversed, cause terrorist radiation. It could cause distortions. Um, it, you could take it to another level where they were actually working on phase, phase type stuff where, you know, like stealth, you know what I mean, and different things like that. So there was technology in the area, and they were working on it at the time. There's also some kind of phenomenon there that Condine talks about. And people are aware of there's an energy, some kind of energy sources there also. So that could have been involved. And then the third thing that came out early and kind of got scorched was we actually may have brought down a Russian satellite one of those three nights also with that technology. The technology wouldn't have been based in the forest. Well, it would have been based down the road from that. And the EM frequencies and stuff could have been beamed into the forest. So you're suggesting... A possibility that this was some technology they were playing with or testing in 1980 that nobody was aware of and it may may have manifested itself in some kind of experience in the in Rendlesham well there's an energy field there okay we actually found that we, we reconfirmed that in 2010 we actually got some hits on infrared cameras and meters um, 
the question is, is where are they hitting that energy field? Uh, they were working on plasmas, and if you go into plasma research, what they can do with the targeting, all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of stuff that went on to include, they could have been doing, I forget the name of it, but they could have been actually what halts all flying around in the sky was a tip, tip a possible targeting. It was a targeting star or something where they could create that effect flying around in the sky. They were working on that at the time. It could have been both. I mean, under my hypnosis, it said it was both. I've always felt like it could have been both. Um, so it's unknown for sure exactly what it was. I mean, what it was was something that damaged my heart, and the government acknowledged that. And the question is, was it us, something else, or both? That's the bottom line. And there's not enough proof yet to say exactly what it was, and there may never be. It may be kept covered up. What do you think it was? You were there. You experienced. What do you think it was? Well, the problem I have is, is that it's hard to say. I mean, I believe that it very well could have been when you get into plasmas there, you know, there's both plasmas that we can create and are natural. And the, if you go into Condine, it even says they're not really sure what a UAP is, at least the part that's been declassified. But in it, they say that they definitely could be used for military application. So, and, and another thing they kind of hinted at, it could be intelligent in nature. So, Again, like I said, it could have been that that we caused, you know, that had take place. It could have been something that was something we were doing, to, you know, and intermixed with that. It could have been a lot of different things. And the last thing that's interesting is there's documentations being declassified. The lighthouse, how it was made fun of, they were using that to actually transmit EM frequencies out of it. And that actually could have played a part in this also. So what I'm getting from you is you are kind of confused about what really happened there. You're not sure who might have been the responsible agent or something else. What I'm trying to tell you is I'm not going to sit there like Halt did and said it was E.T. I'm not going to sit there like Peniston did and say it was time travelers. I'm not sure. And that's one of the things that I've been working on for several years now. And as you go deeper and deeper into um, into the documents, there's a whole thing. And one of the other things that you were involved with was Project Moondust, right? I was not involved with it. I'm, I'm but I mean, you did research on it. Yeah, there's a very good possibility that Moondust yes, yes. was activated for Bentwaters because we've got I hold FOIA from the State Department that admitted they were involved in this. And one of the things is is that the State Department would be involved if they activated the team. And it could be UFO, UAPs, or even satellite, you know, Russian technology also. Well, I will say Moondust's uh, mission was to uh, investigate turning space debris of unknown origin, foreign manufacturer unknown origin, which clearly could relate to UFO. So there's a UFO component to Moondust, but their uh, mission uh, it is broader than just flying saucers and that sort of thing. There's a mission. Is right. But that was, that. like I said, a team did come in from Langley. It came in Sunday night and they had a C5. It came in, it parked out there in the weapon storage area, a parking area, which was highly guarded and, you know, hard to see. And they had equipment with them and there was an investigation going on in the forest. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. And when you find out now that, that 
find out about Moondust. And a t- there was actually a team. I think Clifford Stone went as far as saying Moondust was activated. I don't know how he would know for sure. But he said that they were activated and were involved. And um, then one of the agencies that would be involved would be the you know Department of State. Um, and I have FOIA saying they were involved, but they won't release the documents. So the documents would have a implica- national security implications. Uh, well, the way they got this that. is the way they got around it. They simply said there were documents that pertain to the United States Air Force and that the Air Force would have to get permission to release them. So when we contacted the Air Force, the Air Force denied those documents existed. So you do what you want with that. <laughs> the, the typical runaround, I'm familiar with that. Right, and we weren't <laughs> going to get any further. It was just like the CIA was contacted, and they said they could neither confirm or deny they were holding documents on the incident. Which, of course, if the documents were classified, is exactly what they'd have to say. Yes. Because if they do anything else, it kind of confirms the uh, event, so it's a, they're a standard, standard uh, response. No, no, no doubt. And then when I did FOIA with the MOD, where I caught them red-handed, holding back 18 files, which interestingly enough, in 2000, it, they changed UFOs to UAPs in their own documents and their um, policy files, that I also got a FOIA, I think we talked about this when you were on my radio show, that shows that they developed a weapon off of whatever was out there. So what's that say? There was something there. And the fact that they, uh, they it was highly redacted and that they sectioned me and won't allow me to ask any more questions after I got to that point until these documents are released. And we're now going into almost year four and they haven't released documents, even though they told me they were going to do it very quickly. And even last... John, John I'm going to have to break in here. We're going to have to take a break. Please uh, stand by. We'll be back with John Burroughs and we'll explore this further right after these messages. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123ReadyTV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123ReadyTV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. (laughs) 
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. We have returned with John Burroughs. We were talking about problems with FOIA and the MOD, which is the Ministry of Defense, for those of you who are not up on your acronyms, which is a, uh, an English a governmental institution. Uh, I think, I'm sure everybody knows what the CIA is and that sort of thing and what the Air Force is. So you were uh, talking about problems with the FOIA requests and the runaround you were getting. Did you want to add something to that? Yeah, what I was saying as we went to break was simply this. Um, I have some inside information and no one else has based on understanding Condine and some other documents that I haven't made public. And my FOIAs were very interesting. In fact, when they finally admitted these 18 files existed, because when I went public and said they did, no one believed me. And then they did a real quick little uh, newspaper article admitting the fact that, oh, yes, uh, a British citizen asked a question, were there any more documents? And they admitted to it. But they didn't put my FOIA up there, which is what 
he he actually didn't see my FOIA either, but he knew about my press release, so he asked that question. They don't want my FOIAs, the questions I asked, made public because I take it is, is they feel some of it could lead to uh, national security issues. And also, they sectioned me when they admitted to me that they actually do have a weapon they developed off of Project Combine and the phenomenon they're talking about. And what they did was they were going to release it, but they haven't. They did actually give some of it or part of it to the archives last year from pressure from inside the House of Lords, because this has made it on the floor more than once, questions about these documents that they said were already public and they weren't. You know, as far as they said, they'd released everything and oops, they got caught and they hadn't. And they, there was some pressure coming from inside the House of Lords. So they gave some of the documents to the archives last summer and they pulled them back. All of a sudden, they just pulled them back. And so now we're another year forward and they still haven't released these documents. And like I said, six of them are policy files to include, you know, the whole MOD policy on how they deal with UFOs and then slash UAPs. Plus, there were some other documents in there. And what people need to understand is the press loves to spin this, and so does the government people, that they'll release a document and they'll say there's nothing in there, but there's a lot of it still redacted. That means it's classified. And when it's classified, that means they're holding back information. So, yes, there is something to the document. There is something to what's going on. And it's deemed necessary for national security to be classified. So you're not getting the whole story, whatever it is. To be fair, you have to admit that at some points, and even though it involves UFOs, and I've seen some of the documents that were originally redacted, and we've now gotten the whole documents, and what were they holding back were things that did not relate to the UFOs at all, but uh, impacted national security. So it could be something in those documents that would affect national security that doesn't necessarily relate to UFOs or UAPs, whatever they want to call it. Isn't that a fair statement? Not necessarily. I, I'm not saying some of it isn't, but there's a lot of it classified, still classified in Condine itself. Matter of fact, there's a word going around that that's actually just a really uh, cut and paste report, that the real report, the true report that's highly classified still has never been totally released. And you can't say that a little bit of it is, but you know what I mean? You can't come out and say UFOs are not of national defense significance or anything like that and then turn around and heavily classify this stuff. And, and I'm not talking about like a site or something. I'm talking about there's a lot of heavy-duty stuff that's been redacted over the years, including this Condine and, you know, these MOD files, because that's why they had to pull them back. They, there was still stuff in there that they didn't feel that was redacted properly. So there's a lot to this. The question is, is is why do they spin it one way, you know, and 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 say there's nothing to this, and then redact so much of it? Well, I'm going to take this in a different direction now because we're we're getting short on time here, and somebody wanted to know that um, if you had any comments on the binary codes and the what they call the new improved binary code that has come from Peniston. Do you have any any comment on that, or was that you laughing? <laughs> Yeah, I'm laughing because here's my take on this. I'm going to leave it as it is. They're supposed to be coming out with a book about it. Read it if you must and come <laughs> up with your own conclusion. But I'm not endorsing any of it. Uh, I tried to understand it. I tried to um, figure out the whole thing. But there's just so many discrepancies in it with the notebook, different stuff that I wasn't even aware of at the time that came out later, some interviews he's done and different things that have to make you stop and pause about all this. So 
as I said very early on when it came out, I, I did not touch anything. I did not have any binary download. So keep me out of it. <laughs> uh, since you knew him uh, and, and the notebook appeared sometime later is, uh, but he claims he wrote it the next day or a day later or something like that. Can you add anything to that? I mean, did you did you know no, the, the about problem? With, well, the problem with the notebook is, and that's how the binary surfaced, was the date in it that he said it took place was the twenty seventh of December, which matches the Halt memo, which had the wrong dates. But the interesting thing was, he if he wrote it out there in the field at the time, he would have known it was the twenty sixth of December. You know what I mean? So that was a discrepancy right there. So and then the binary, you can't get a straight um, answer on how many pages there were on top of the fact that even some of the stuff like early on, somebody did an interview and said when he was writing back with him, he sketched what he saw, which is kind of stayed consistent. But the, there was no mention of the binary, the glyphs or anything else on top of the fact that later on, when people started looking at the notebook, Halt said he handled it, and never saw the binary in it. Um, James Fox had a good look at it and never saw the binary in it. So, and then the glyphs didn't surface till later. In fact, the whole notebook didn't surface until after he went into hypnosis in 94, which it did come out. There might've been binary communications involved and stuff, but then the notebook surfaced after that. So like I said, there's a whole bunch of discrepancies and all I'm saying is, is that yes, you need to pause and really ask some tough questions. But if you want to read the book and see what they've come up with, go ahead. But just remember this. I was not involved with any of that. I had nothing to do with it, nor do I want to. Well, it, it, it seems to me what we've got here is a bunch of, uh, but you shouldn't really say it that way, but, but people involved in this event who are actually coming at it from their own personal perspective, single uh, perspective, and that, that – uh, it's causing some conflict among the people who were involved in this thing. Well, there's conflict with Peniston and I, because one of the things is, is that I don't support a story. And that's one of the things that the skeptics are very critical about was how could you say all this happened and Burroughs didn't see it or Kabansek didn't see it. So that, that doesn't sit well, um, which I've always just said what I remembered. And I've also made it very clear the difference between what I remember, and what hypnosis says. So, Yes, there is issues. And again, there's people that think he's lying. There's other people that thinks he believes what he's saying is true, but he was messed with. I just leave it as that each person has a different perspective. Each person tells a different story. And you have to look at, just take the time to look at what each person has said and make your own judgment. I'm not going to call Penniston a liar. I just don't want anything to do with the fact that, you know, I don't tie me to the binary. That's his story. And take it as you will. If you believe it, great. If you don't, fine. Or if you're in between, fine. But just, I don't want to be tied to it. Because, no, I don't have any binary download floating around. Well, the, the thing that you seem to be saying here, and the thing that I'm picking up, at least, is that um, you you possibly were messed with under hypnosis both or, or some other kind of uh, regression done by the government, and it, the binary may be an outgrowth of that as opposed to uh, something else, which would make it real in one sense, but not necessarily important in another. 
It could be, and one of the other theories was is that he, um, the government messed with them, and when he went into hypnosis, it triggered it, and he wrote it out afterwards. I mean, again, for me, I can't say I wasn't messed with because other people said they were, but I have no memory of it. So I'm not running around trying to say Bastenza was, Warren was, Penniston was. I don't know for sure. Do you know what I mean? It's just yes. like I don't know for sure what we were dealing with, but I do know whatever it was damaged my heart. It caused me to have medical conditions, and my medical records are still classified, and my DD Form 214 was altered to show that I wasn't even in the Air Force when the incident took place. So whatever it is and whatever took place is still highly classified to this day. Well, let me quickly, let me, let me do this. You say your DD-214 was, was uh, altered. When you were discharged, you got a DD Form 214. Are you saying that one was altered or they'd altered the one in your file? Real quickly, I, I separated from the um, reserves and I separated in a way and a program that's different than most. And I basically got held to my contract for two extra years. So I never did go get to go through my out process like most people do that retire. I simply put my papers in. I was put in active reserves because I was eligible for retirement. They held me for the next two years to my contract. And all I got in the mail was the fact that here you are, you're honorably retired. Here's a flag that we flew for you. Good luck with life. So I didn't get to go through all that stuff. I didn't go through all the debriefing. And they held me partly because of my specialty in explosives. And they weren't happy when I chose to drop my papers because I'd had enough. I kept deploying, was away from my family. When I was able to retire, stop loss had been lifted. I dropped my papers. So that's what happened. So you got caught in stop loss, stop loss as well then. Well, I was for a while, but as soon as they lifted it and I had the time, guess what I did? You, you I dropped were my papers. I yeah. was done. I'd had enough. Okay. And trust me, the guys that – what I went through with K-9 was – was pretty intense but then that's when that the whole new level went out where they had those guys out there going out with the dogs in front of them with ieds and they were blowing up killing handler after handler seriously injuring them and wounding the dogs and killing the dogs so i did get out at the right time and god bless those guys that did that because that's something that's really hard to train a dog to do and put people out in front like that well john thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today i I've learned a lot. I hope the audience has well. And we'll uh, talk about getting you back on the program sometime later. Thank you very much. Thanks, Kevin. And as I say, we'll have some information about this. I hope um, it'll uh, clarify some of this at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And as I promise, every week we will be back in 167 hours with another program on a different perspective. Thank you.